uh, to our uh, message this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8. So we are jumping back into the gospel of Mark. Um, and we are looking at how Jesus is continuing to move forward. Two weeks ago, uh, G, uh, two weeks ago, Jared uh, spoke to us, and, and he really dug into the scripture in Mark chapter eight. Jesus takes the disciples, and he's really um, just uh, spending time with them, pouring into them, and he says, "Hey, I want to know. There's a lot of rumors going around. Who do people say that I am?" And so he asked that question, and a lot of things were, uh, went back and forth, and eventually it was Peter who said, hey, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that is something that is huge for us to be able to understand. Well, after that takes place, um, we, we, we're going to dig into Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And, and you know, a lot of things in this world are all about me, Right? Like, it's about Travis, not you, it's about Travis, okay? And, and as long as Travis gets what Travis wants, Travis is happy. But if, if Travis doesn't get his way, Travis isn't happy, okay? And, and, and that's, we could each put our name into that. We want things to be our way. And when someone tells us that it can't be that way, we don't like it. We, we like the mentality of me, the me generation, I want what I want, and I want to get it now. I mean, you know, that was Burger King's big slogan, right? You know, get it your way. And, and, and so we have this whole idea that we should get things our way, and, and if it doesn't come our way, then we're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to be happy with it. Well, Jesus says, well, a lot of people are saying all of this and that, and, and people are following me, and it's great, but let's really dig into this. So after he has been teaching to them, we read this. Mark chapter 8, starting verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, now again, big crowd, okay? So there's still a lot of people that are still following Jesus, but the crowds are going to start to diminish, especially after what is happening at this point. But a big crowd is following Jesus, including his disciples, those that wanted to really learn and follow him. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation could be said of our generation too today, right? And every generation since Jesus actually said these words, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. And I'll tell you, when I dug into that this week, when I let it just sink in to me, I was reminded of the words of uh, Bonhoeffer in his book. He has a book called The Cost, Cost of Discipleship. He says this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Salvation is free for everyone. It is free. Anyone who wants to come to him can come to him. But if you want to be a disciple, 
it will cost you something. So as we unpack this passage, we're, we'll, we'll begin with considering the call to follow Jesus. Then we'll camp in on, on four conditions that Jesus gave, very serious, to follow him. And then we're going to have three cautions at the very end. But here's the thing, there's just one call. That there's one call that goes out to everyone. We see this again. Go back to verse 34. We're going to camp in here for, for quite a while. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So as we look at this and as we break this down, he, he's calling the crowd in. And, and, and two weeks ago, again, Jared talked about this. Well, who do people say that I am? And they threw out all kinds of different ideas, right? What about you? And Jesus really turns to them and says, well, what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? Now, here's the thing. We can only ride the coattails of our parents or our spouse's relationship with Jesus for so long. Eventually, it has to be our own decision. I have to make the decision of who I'm going to follow. My kids have to make that decision for themselves of who they will follow. And that's very important. And so what's he do? He, he calls the crowd into him. Jesus made it very clear after um, he had said, okay, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you are the, the Christ, the son of the living God. This is what he says. He, he says that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, here's the thing. Peter has just said, hey, Jesus, you're the Christ. You're Emmanuel. You're God with us. You are the one that we've been waiting for. And then Jesus says this line right here, hey, um, I'm going to have to go and die. And what does, what does Peter say? No, you can't do that. Because again, remember the disciples, while they were still, they wanted the Messiah. They wanted the one that was going to free them and save them, but they were only thinking physically. They were still, that they didn't fully understand until after Jesus did actually die on the cross, they didn't understand it fully to understand because they were still looking at someone in the line of David that was going to free them from Roman rule and every other rule that was going to come in. Jesus was going to set himself up as the king physical in Jerusalem. And that's what they were looking for. And Peter says, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. And what's he say? He says, not today, Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. That, that was what Jesus said to Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus then called the crowd and the disciples to him. And the word call means to summon hither, to come forward, to bid to come. So he was saying, hey, hey gather in, get real close, because I really need to talk to you about something. Let, let's really dig in to what's going on. After describing his fate, he describes what it means to follow him. And these are the, the four conditions of what we have here see the call again the call it's one call and it goes out to everyone everyone receives the call to know who jesus is as their lord and savior that's very important for us to see but we also see the word if being used here and we're going to discover that the demands of discipleship can't be dismissed 
They can't be downplayed. It has to be seen as very, very important. So the first thing that we see in these conditions, the first condition is that a person must desire to want to become a disciple. We must desire to become a disciple. If anyone would come after me. You see, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Where is our heart at in all of this? The phrase would come is the idea of intentionality, and it involves the will. In order to walk with Jesus, we must first want to walk with Jesus. He doesn't grab us and put us on a leash and say, you're going to follow me and drag them along. That's not, that's not what Jesus does. He says, if anyone desires, if anyone wants to follow me. The New King James Version puts it like this, whoever desires to come after me. The New American Standard puts it like this. It says, if anyone wishes, the New Living Translation says, if any of you wants to be my follower, do you want to be a follower of Jesus? Do you desire to have a longing in your life? And when we really look at this, I love that the call of Jesus goes out to anyone and everyone. It goes out to the curious crowd. Again, people are still following Jesus around. There is a curious crowd. Those that were just nearby that heard of the great things, the spectacular things that Jesus, he's fed 5,000, he's fed 4,000, he, he's done miracles, he's healed people. But people are still kind of wanting to go, hey, what's this all about? So it, the call goes out to, to those that were curious. It also goes out to the committed. This call, his disciples, those 11 that were very committed, it goes out to them. It also goes out to the counterfeit because it still goes to Judas as well. Very important for us to see. You know, and it strikes me when I think about these different groups of people, we still have these people today as well. Some of you are curious about Christ. Some of you are tuning in. Some of you are listening and, and someone has invited you to watch online or, or you're, you're sitting here because someone said, hey, come to church with me. And you're curious about who Jesus is because you really haven't felt his power yourself yet. But then there's also those that are committed. They're committed to follow Jesus, but then there's still a few that are counterfeit. But the message still goes out to everyone. Notice that Jesus is about to give the same message to each of these groups as he calls everyone to him. Everyone is welcome. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned. Well, guess what? That all is every single one of us. But the call still goes out to all of us. And in Acts chapter 10 verse 34, it says, Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name anyone very very important for us to see but notice that phrase if anyone desires to come after me it has the idea of of lining up behind the lord following wherever he goes we don't walk in front of him and ask him to catch up with what we want what are our wishes no we need to get in line behind Jesus. He's the one that is setting the example for us. Very, very important for us to understand. So 
Let me ask you, do you have a desire to follow Jesus? Do you want to follow Jesus? Now, here's the thing. We all need. Notice that your kids want a lot of things. And I tell my kids that a lot. You don't have a need in this world. You have a lot of wants. We all have a lot of wants. I talked about those last week, yeah? My, 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 my Nike and Reebok pumps that I wanted, I didn't get what I wanted. I got what I needed. I had shoes on my feet, but I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah, I had the Kmart blue light special shoes. But hey, they worked, right? They, they, they took care of what my need was. Well, we all need Jesus, but do we want Jesus? Do we desire Jesus? Very, very important. And we need to really make that decision for us on our own. Psalm 73, verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That should be our want and our desire to follow him, that he is everything. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. The first condition is to settle our desire. The second condition is to deny self. Now again, this is a hard one. Okay, so we have to desire it. And now we have to deny. Let him deny himself. Everything within us screams against these words, right? No, I'm not going to deny anything. Because deny means to refuse. I'm going to refuse my body chocolate or ice cream. I'm going to drive over to Culpeper today, and when I drive over to Culpeper today, everything inside me is going to say, stop at Muthru. I know, right? Yes. But, but I have to deny myself. I have a hard time with that, especially when my granddaughter goes, ice cream. Like, I, I can't deny her, right? Yeah. So I have to get one with her. One Bible dictionary puts it this way, to disown and renounce self, and to subjugate all works, interests, and enjoyments. Check out what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Ow. Like that, that's hard. Denying self is not the same as self-denial. And that's very interesting and very poignant for us to understand denying self means i stop thinking i'm always right i stop living on my own power i refuse to pursue my own wants and desires a big a big big difference all of a sudden i became the grinch um what <laughs> we see this in first corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20 Paul says, or, you, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In short, I must give up my right to own and run my own life, because it no longer belongs to me. My life belongs to the Lord. I need, I must 
deny myself. Very, very important for us to understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What does that word, what does that verse mean to you? Be steadfast, immovable, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What does that word mean to you? Allow that word to soak in. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When we do so, we will gladly deny ourselves because we are truly, solely focused on Jesus and doing his work. And that's very, very important for us. Have you ever broken up with yourself? You may have broken up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You may have been broken up with. But, have you ever broken up with yourself? There's no room for two when it comes to just you. You know the Casting Crowns song, So Long Self? Like that, th those words go through myself. He's literally breaking up with himself in that song. He has to let go of what he wants and desires so he can focus truly and solely on the power of the Lord. Just shut them off. Please. You're blinding me. I'm going to start chasing squirrels in a second. Remember, salvation is free. But discipleship will cost you your life. The first two conditions, desire and denial, as if those aren't difficult enough, Jesus next calls us to what? Die. And not just metaphorically, not just, oh, you should deny yourself and you should die to yourself. No, he's talking that we may have to give up our physical life. He says, and take up your cross. Take up your cross. Now, we love the cross, right? I mean, we, we put it on the wall behind us, and that reminds us of what Jesus did for us, and, and we put it in our ears, and we wear it around our necks, and we put it on our shirts, and we go, yes, the cross, and we have romanticized it so much. Now, are all of those things bad? No, but let me tell you, if a first century person walked in and they saw us hanging, you know, crosses from our ears or wearing them around our necks, they were like, you're sick. I mean, could you imagine if all of a sudden we started a new fad and we took an electric chair and we hung it around our... our... No. Now, somebody would probably go, yeah, let's do it. No, like, no. The cross estimated 30,000 people were nailed to a cross. One of the most horrific and painful ways to ever die. 30,000 people in the life of Jesus died by punishment of being nailed to a cross. When Jesus said these words, he knew exactly, or the people around knew exactly what he meant. 
And when he said this, it is believed that somewhere in the distance, when Jesus said that, there were probably people hanging on a cross. So when he says that we're called to die, we use the words, we say, well, that's just the cross I have to bear, right? It's usually some obnoxious relative that we say that about, or a co-worker, or it's a cross I have to bear. No, the weight of the cross, the physical weight of the cross. He was talking to his disciples and those who were around that saw maybe even loved ones being hung on a cross. Let's remember that the cross was carried by condemned criminals and ended with a humiliating and excruciating execution. We're called to crucify the cult of self-fulfillment, self-promotion, and self-centeredness. We're to die to our right to be right, to take revenge, and have the right to fight. As J.C. Ryle puts it, a religion which, which costs nothing is worth nothing. A religion that costs nothing is worth nothing. Interestingly, the 11 disciples, they all died a martyr's death. Beheaded, boiled, thrown off the top of the temple. Peter, crucified upside down according to tradition. Again, in the words of Bonhoeffer, we live in a time of, of cheap grace and easy believism, where Christianity is more identified with health and wealth than the surrender, sacrifice, and service. Here's another quote from his book, Cost of Discipleship. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is quite a condition, isn't it? Do you desire to want to be a disciple? Are you denying yourself? Have you died to sin? Are you willing to give up your life for Jesus? Like, those are just the first three, and we have one more. And you're like, Travis, wow, way to bring us down. Glad at least you turned on the bright lights. Here's the thing. When we do all of this, our life, it may be demanded of us. But we get something so much greater. Something that this world can never offer can never fulfill. We get to be in eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Number four, after our desire, getting our desire right, denying self and dying to sin, Jesus gives that fourth condition in the last part of verse 34. He just simply wants our devotion. He says, and follow me. To follow means to go with, and it's the tense of ongoing, constantly moving forward. That's what Jesus is asking us, to constantly move 
forward in our relationship with him, that we will be devoted to him. Jesus fought against having false converts by making sure that they knew that there was a cost to following him. We go forward to Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, tell me what I need. I want what you have. What do I need to do? Sell all your possessions. Possessions. Sell them all. Give them all away. That was what was truly in his heart of hearts. And he could say the same thing to every one of us. Not just to sell our possessions. Maybe that is yours. But maybe it's something else. That you put higher on a pedestal than anything else. And what happens in Mark chapter 10 verse 22? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This young man couldn't give it up. He was going to hold on to it, and he walked away saddened. Very, very important for us. I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't chase after this rich young ruler either. He doesn't go, wait, 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 you're leaving. Come back, come back, come back. You can keep some. How about if we, how about if we make a, a, a deal that you'll, you'll give up 25% now, and then in a year, you'll give up 25% more, and then next year, you'll give up the rest. Is that okay? No. What I love about Jesus is he never lowers the bar. If there's something that is said in the Old Testament, and, and the Pharisees try to use it against Jesus, what's he do? He raises the bar every single time. Well, you say adultery. Well, I say if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Ouch. And he does it with everything. And here, the same exact thing. He doesn't go chasing after him. He wants us to follow him, but... We have to be committed. There is a cost to following Jesus, and we have to always remember that. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus said it like this, and whoever does not take up or does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Cross bearers are called to follow the crucified one. Discipleship is demanding because we're called to de- to die to our desires. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 adds that dying to self and to sin are to be happening on an ongoing basis. We read there, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Not just one time, but you're going to pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's easy to add Jesus on Facebook. Friend, oh look, he's in my like column. Oh, friends, we have in common. I click, yes, now I follow Jesus on Facebook. That's awesome, right? Oh, Jesus tweeted something I like. I'm going to retweet it. Like, that's awesome. we, We can do that all day long. However, it's more difficult to truly be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is not just some app for your life. He's the Lord of your life, and he wants your whole life he desires to have your whole life are you willing to renounce every person possession you willing to renounce yourself in order to follow christ i want you to look at luke chapter 14 verse 33 so therefore if anyone 
of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you your life. And after the call to discipleship and the four conditions, desire, deny, death, devotion, Jesus concludes here with three cautions. And these three cautions are ones that we probably already know, but I want to just spend a little time on them. If you focus only on your own life, you're going to lose it. If you focus only on your own life, you will lose it. Look at verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If you try to hold on to what you have, you'll miss what Jesus really wants for your life. When you settle the surrender issue, when you commit to follow Jesus at any cost, you will end up saving your own life. We would do really well to adopt what happens with Paul and his purpose in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Please don't miss what Paul was trying to really get across to us. He says, I'm going to give up everything. I, I just want to finish the race that Jesus has put in front of me. And Mark keeps going. He says, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels. You see, we are to lose our lives in service to the lost when we proclaim the gospel. We are to spread the good news in this community and to all the continents. We are to go out we may lose our life but we will spread it not just for jesus sake but for the gospel's sake that it will get out to everyone you see when we lose that which is has always been so important to us we will end up finding what really is important to us speaking of those who are completely committed to christ revelations chapter revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says for they loved not their lives even unto death if you try to hold on to your own life and focus only there you'll lose everything number two if you focus only on your own success you'll lose your soul jesus asked two probing questions in verses 36 and 37 for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what can a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is using an economic term here, profit, forfeit, and return. Well, what good is it if we lose our soul? And really, what's your soul worth? If you had all the money in the world, is that worth it? If you had all of your wants and desires of this earth fulfilled, is that worth your soul? That's what Jesus is really trying to get across to the people. If that is it, if it's only about our own success, we'll lose our soul. So here's a question to ponder. 
Will I spend my life for the Savior or will I waste it on the world? And then lastly, if you're ashamed of Christ, he will be ashamed of you. Verse 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. There is a cost to discipleship. But there's an even greater cost of not following Jesus. Please don't miss that. You may lose your life by following Jesus physically here. You may lose out on a promotion at work. But you will gain eternity with him. But if you gain everything that this world has to offer, you could lose heaven. Please don't miss that. Let's not shrink back on the Savior. Let's not waffle with his words as we live in this adulterous and sinful generation. We see too much of that right now today of, of playing on words and, well, I can take this and make it mean what I want and, and this side says this and this side says that and politically that's what happens. Well, he said this, well, he said this and we open up for the scriptures. Well, um, Jesus really didn't say this. Well, Jesus meant this and... and what does Jesus say? Let's focus on that. Don't bail on the one who will never fail you. Hang tough. Hold tight. Let's declare Paul's words, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. Guess who that means? It's come to us. First it went to the Jew and now it has come to all of us. We have the chance of eternal life. The gospel message has come to us. We are the Gentiles. And now it's up to us to pass it on to the rest of the Gentiles. It's up to us to live it out, to receive it and to do something with it. Last week we, we, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and, and we focused in on, on this young man Timothy and, and where his faith came from. It came from his mother and his grandmother. Well, Paul goes on to say in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This week, this is how we're going to wrap it up. This week, I, I want you just to think of how you can sacrifice. What's going on in your life right now that you need to sacrifice, that you need to give up, that you need to let go, that you need to put before the foot of the cross and say, Lord, this is taking time away from you. I want to serve you fully. Surrender to him. It may be something large in your life. It may be something really small. But make sure that you surrender and you put it at the foot of the cross. Maybe it's that neighbor 
maybe we talked about those crosses that we bear in our life, that obnoxious relative or neighbor, coworker. You may find out that you're the one that's the obnoxious neighbor or relative, coworker. I want you to surrender. I want you to sacrifice by having a conversation with them. Share the gospel message. We need more grace today. I know I do. And we need to share it as well. We need to receive it. We need to give it. And the great part, again, we started with this. The message is for everyone. He calls everyone to come in and to listen. But then he breaks down what discipleship looks like. you need to make that commitment this morning to accept him as your Lord and Savior for the very first time we're going to sing a couple more songs and as we worship if you need to talk I'm going to be in the back the elders are going to be in the back with me if you if you need someone to pray with you we'll be back there with you if you want to place your membership and say hey I want to serve with Stafford County Christian Church we'll be in the back and we'd love to talk listen pray be there for you however we can. We're also going to take communion and communion's on the back stations and if you haven't had a chance yet to receive it, I encourage you to go and, and pick that up. I want you to lay your burdens and, and, and all of your fears, I want you to lay all of that at the foot of the cross right now. We're going to remember that sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He chose the cross for you. Never forget that. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you so much that your son came, that he lived the life that we should have lived. Lord, I'm thankful that he had this talk, that it was written down for us to read so many years later. Lord, that we remember the cost of following you, that the call goes out to everyone and that, and that we would be willing to be open to hearing the message. But Father, that we would also accept that calling on our life and that we would follow you knowing that it would cost us everything. It may even cost us our life. But Father, we know that we receive something so much greater. And so we thank you for the gift of your son. And Lord, if there is someone here that needs to make a decision for you, if they need prayer in their life, Lord, that you will please just be with them to help them to take that step, the very first step to recovery, to knowing you as their Lord, to gaining better understanding, to getting plugged into the scriptures, that you will bring them along. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.